0: Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper, and remember, I'm only as hip as my guest. And I have to tell you, me and the lovely Joanne were just in Florida, and it it opened up my eyes. I mean, I I performed in Florida years ago, down in Clearwater, but it opened up my eyes that... um, there's a lot of old people down there. And we were down there and what's funny is they were staying her parent her mom and her stepdad were staying at this place right on the beach and it was all midwesterners. Now, I mean they took the they got their car shipped down. So they had the Florida tag I mean, they had the Jersey tags. But it's amazing how many Midwesterners are and it's just they have a different style of life I mean every night when it was sunset a guy would come out with a conch shell and play this they'd blow into it and they'd all drink cocktails And which I don't mind a cocktail but it was very weird but what really bothered me was this guy and I felt bad for him because I just his wife made him do it there was these it was, it's a beachfront community it's private and it's right on the beach and there was these chairs. It was like, what, 12, 13 chairs. But there was like 40 apartments in this place or condos, whatever you want to call them. This guy would go down at like 7 in the morning, even when it was cloudy, and he would put Cows on like six chairs, and basically like hold them for the whole day, and people would even come down and that irritated me because you know I know the early bird gets the worm, but you get one worm you don't get six and me growing up you know going to the Jersey shore, if you went to the beach and someone put like their cows and just saved them you're you I mean one I can see it's like going to a movie, you can save maybe three seats, but when you're saving six or seven and it's like out of fourteen seats, it just irritated me anyway, enough about that i I'm, uh, I'm better now i 'm back it. was cloudy but I'm back in California and I'm happy and uh, I have a great guest uh, a fan a fan I've been following her career and uh, I she was at a, a, a thing at the dark delicacies and I saw her and I'm oh my god I have to contact her and she was sweet enough to get back to me my guest is Vanessa Angel how you doing Vanessa
1: I'm good thank you thanks for having me no
0: problem no have you, ever run, have you, you I'm
1: laughing at your story because I was on vacation about four years ago at a very fancy resort and in kona four seasons resort and that exact same thing happened literally people would get up at like six thirty in the morning and go and like save all the best chairs around the pool and it was so irritating because the last thing you want to do on vacation is get up at six thirty to try and get a decent chair and people would would just put like towels on like five or six chairs and so by the time you wanted to get there, it's, they it's, were gone. Yeah, it's
0: annoying because you sit there and we're it's sitting so there and, and we just got down there and I guess this went on all weekend. It was just one guy and it was like, I, first of all, I feel bad for that guy because his wife must be a pain in the ass to <laughs> sit there and say, go down. But the, okay, and I understand, as I said, maybe like you're there with your family, with there's vacation there's what, three of you, four of you maybe? Yeah, th- okay, three. I okay. can understand that. Okay, you go down, you sit in the middle, you put a towel to the left, you put a towel to the right. I have no problem with that. But when it's six lined up, and especially when you're at a like for you, you're at a four star, or five star thing. Yeah, it's like a
1: five if, star hotel and, and they would, you know, take like five or six and then go off for like breakfast yeah. and be back in two hours. That's what irritates yeah, me. It's, it's like really it's annoying. like if
0: you're there <laughs> take it. Okay. But don't, yeah. So see, yeah. see people, I'm are not there. the only one. She's been here and it happens. And this was a nice place we were at, but it was, it was a condo. It was right on the beach. But, and I, I thought it was because it was all older people and people from the Midwest, but I guess <laughs> I'm wrong at five store resorts, the same crap happens. <laughs> anyway, I, you know, it's funny, first of all, and it's so cool that I read that your name is actually Vanessa. Angel.
1: Yes. It's my real name. Yeah.
0: Now how many times, I mean, I guarantee Ugh. with this town people are probably like oh you changed
1: everybody thinks I made it up it's so frustrating I actually almost changed it when I first started to my mother's maiden name but then I was like you know what this is my name I'm going to live up to it and and I'm not going to get you know but it is because it sounds so made up and it sounds like I don't know. It just has certain connotations. Wait, so but you, I, but, and
0: you were a model, so I think, yeah. so they think, oh, oh, great, you know, Angel. And I guess some right. people, I miss some, because some people, It's. Just, I love it that it's your real name. I think it's great, <laughs> just because you hear so many, like, especially like out here, like Dallas Reigns, or all these like weird names. Right, exactly. That, that, it's great to hear that a name is not made up, but I'm sure people were probably like, oh, she's a model, she thinks she's an angel, and you know how right, people are exactly. idiots.
1: exactly. No, I got a lot
0: of stick for it over the years, so... Now, you were 14 when you were discovered? I mean, is that what I read?
1: Yes, I was 14, and I was still at school. I was in London. I was sort of, I was in a restaurant with my mom, actually, and it was the, I think it was spring break, and these two women kept staring at me across the restaurant, and eventually they came up and said, oh, we're a really great new model agency, and we think you have the right look and my mom was like well she's still in school and blah blah but this was sort of the the time when Brooke Shields was really big and that sort of young school girl kind of model thing was 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 in vogue and uh my dad checked them out and they happened to be a really really great agency so I just was sent out by them to see a few photographers and I just sort of caught on quickly and got into it
0: had you ever thought I mean as a kid I mean fourteen's 14s young but you know I was as we really younger as a young kid did you like the movies did you like the it was had you ever thought maybe I'll be a model maybe I want to act or what did you want I mean it happened very quickly for you yeah and it's something that you're not going to turn it down cuz who's going to turn around and travel in the damn world you know but right. as a kid was were you artistic did you like the the arts
1: I did I I I never really thought about being a model cuz I always felt very sort of skinny and awkward um, but I had always been a part of my school drama club, but it's never something I thought of as a career. I mean, I, and, and in England, you do, you know, Shakespeare at like 10, okay. so you're like, you know, Chaucer, and like you do like really sort of, um, you know, good drama. And I mean, I remember doing the Caucasian Chalk Circle at, I think I was about 12. So you get introduced to literature really, really early. Um, which is but, great. Which is which is great. I mean,
0: because kids, especially now, I mean, I know, like for me, it's like I even was sitting there, like I read, you know, Catherine Orion Ryan High School, and we, we Johnny, right. get your gun, and just different stuff, and they don't do that anymore. And for you, it's great. For any kid, it's great to just get that because Shakespeare is so hard. And, and, but it, probably if you learn it at a young age, it's probably easier because you don't, you're not overthinking it.
1: Yeah, ex- exactly. I think you use your instinct probably more. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely loved the arts but it but it wasn't something I thought of. It's a career and certainly modeling wasn't something I thought of. Um, but, you know, it just sort of fell in my lap and so I went with it. And I think that like you said, when you're young, who doesn't want to travel the world and make money and but I looking back now, I kind of wish that um, you know, I wish that I'd gone to college and finished my education. Even though I had a different kind of education. I was living in New York City by the time I was sixteen and you know, you you learn to be in the world in a different way. But I think that you you know, I sort of didn't have a, a traditional adolescence, and I didn't go through those typical milestones in the same way as you know a normal a normal kid would.
0: What was that like, though, living? It's funny because my my niece and my brother they live in New York City. They lived for years. She's sixteen now, and she's grown up there. So it's. Thing. So for her, it's second nature. It's a city, but right. for you, what's it like coming into? I mean, you're going to New York when right. you're 16, and you're just you're uh, you're a kid. I mean, I mean, what was that like?
1: Well, you know what? I, I mean, I had grown up just outside London, so I had been you know sort of used to a big city before. I would go into London quite quite a bit myself. Um, so actually, it, it was funny when I went to New York City. I had that one of those epiphanies that you have one of those sort of cathartic moments. You know, they say, I think you have five major cathartic moments in your life, and, and this was, I think, the first one. Just driving from Kennedy Airport into the city and you see the skyline, I just had this intense feeling that this was where I was supposed to be. You know, I don't know if you believe in past lives or whatever, but there was something connecting me to New York that, that was just, you know, above and beyond. So I actually, from day one, I felt so comfortable there. And I kind of knew that I would never go back to to England, even though I had gone initially just for a three-month sort of summer stay with with this model agent Eileen Ford had, had invited me. Um, How
0: great is that, though? I mean, Ford was such a big... I mean, that's that's like... Yeah, you think back the time, then it was Casablanca, really Ford. That was yeah, like the big exactly. the big things. Like you hear, oh yeah. my God, she's with the Ford agency. Oh, well, you know. So, yeah. I mean, that must have been just so... You must have been just... When you're driving in and knowing... The funny thing is you're going in and you have this epiphany that you belong here. And then right. the difference between you and other people when they go in, people feel like they belong there, but you actually had... You're going there, belong, feeling belong there, and you had a career. I mean, that must have been great. Right.
1: Well, I mean, I had worked quite a bit in Europe, but but I had still been in school, so it wasn't a full time job. Um, but I, you know, there, but there's no guarantees. I mean, you go and and you're, you know, you're pounding the pavements, and this is before cell phones, and you know, you right. get your go sees, and you check in with your agent, and you go see different people. So you don't really know how well you're going to do. I, I just was very fortunate that a couple of really great photographers. You know, took a shining to me very early on. So I had already, you know, a really good portfolio. And I had, you know, I, I had a good shot at doing well. And I did do really well. So
0: You were uh, on Vogue and a bunch yeah, of Yeah, I was on the big- cover
1: of Vogue. And co- I did my first Cosmopolitan cover, which was a big deal back then. Because Scavullo, who was one of the biggest photographers, did all the covers at that time. And it was a very sort of prestigious gig to get. Um, so, yeah, I mean but i th- you know i mean i think that when that you know that's the sort of beauty of being that young is that you're kind of actually very very resilient and you don't really think i think as much as you do when you're older of the things that can go wrong I but think then i i have a 13 year old daughter and i think oh my god would i let her in a couple of years go to you know to new york city or Wherever and like do what I did. But
0: I, it's such a different time. I mean, you know, yeah, it's, you know, I guess so, right? I mean, we used to sit there. I mean, I, I talk about it, you know, with my friends I grew up with, and we would get on our bikes and ride to the record store, but it was like two miles and in traffic. Yeah. And we used to have traffic circles in New Jersey, which, you know, it was hard enough to drive your car. And we'd go around that. If our parents knew they'd kill us, you know, but <laughs> I mean, you would be like, wait, but now, you can't do anything anymore. And, and that's what right. stinks. It's like, you know, back then there wasn't innocence, even though it was New York City. And the funny thing is, that's when New York City was at. It's like dirtiest. I, know. I remember walking
1: I mean, through like yeah. Times Square, <laughs> like my first like few days there by myself at night, not realizing that it was like really seedy place yeah. at that point. And
0: it, but, it just, but it was safe. I don't know. There was, there was sort of there was yeah. this safeness. I think it was a community. You know, I, I, it's just hard to explain.
1: I never felt, I really honestly never felt scared. I only had one ever like horrible incident my whole time there. But I felt very safe and I felt very, it's a very, I think it's an easy city to get to know because it's a, you know, grid system, right. basically. So it's you numbers. Feel, okay. Yeah, you feel very, uh, you don't feel lost or it's not like a big sprawling city like LA or, or even a European city where, you know, you don't really feel, you know, it's, it's just... Too spread out to kind of feel comfortable all the time.
0: Now, you, when you're in the cover of Cosmo, do people start recognizing you? Because, and they, once again, <laughs> we said it's before the internet and it's before right. eight million magazines. Right. I mean, there right. was Village Voice, there was Cosmo, there was Vogue, and that was about it. And the men had GQ, and then there was always someone that would fail, like some men's magazine. Right. But now, do people start recognizing you? I mean, because. I mean, it's Cosmo, and everyone back then, everyone saw. Did the industry start saying, "Okay, we got to transition this woman into acting?" Well, girl, because you were young, right? And so, I mean, how'd that work
1: within the industry? I think I definitely you started to, you know, I started to get recognition, but not in terms of like out on the street and like okay. people recognizing you. But, but, um, but I, I never really intended to go into acting. It kind, it kind of just fell into my lap again. It's like one of those things where you look back and you feel it was obviously like destined to be um i had done a a photo shoot and and john landis had seen this magazine shoot and thought i would be a good contender for this role in spies like us so he he was actually in london at the time and i was going back to london to see my family for the holidays and uh he asked me to well through you know through my agent had asked me to come in and meet for this part and uh ended up getting it and so and i was 18 at the time and that that sort of opened up that whole world
0: had you ever acted i mean was that like your first audition other than at
1: school no i mean i i I had done this big pepsi commercial you're the diet pepsi girl now i'm
0: trying because i'm trying to think back because once again there wasn't a lot of there wasn't a lot of sodas back then there was coke pepsi rc right was it i mean was there a lot of commercials with Diapassy? Was it a big ad it was, campaign? It was
1: a big campaign. It was the "now you see it, now you don't" campaign, and it, it was you know they sort of launched a whole. It, it, it turned out just to be two commercials in the end, but but um, but it was very uh, you know, it was very graphic and kind of pretty and and uh, so that. But I mean, it wasn't really any acting ability required. Right. <laughs> but I had done my school play, so I mean, I knew I knew how to look at a script but um but the role in spies like us was not really it was more of a window dressing kind of part right. so i didn't really didn't really require much acting but but,
0: but you're 18 the, and yeah. you're with chevy chase dan Aykroyd, oh and john landis and i john mean landis. i and mean it must be in
1: norway and i mean it how was like,
0: it in norway i have norwegian friends who love it what was it, it like was, should, were
1: you, were, it was beautiful it was early march so it was very cold and snowy we were up in the fjords um, but it was just such a surreal experience because, you know, it was a big, huge Warner Brothers movie with, you know, 30 something million dollar budget. And so that was my, you know, foray into it. And, and I thought that all movies would be like that. Um, so it was such fun. It was great fun. And I completely got the bug after, after doing that movie.
0: Yeah, well, okay, so when you got the bug, now did you go to take classes? or did, I mean, because you figure yes. you already you were, you were working and you're young when you're 18, and right. it's just you know, and, and a lot of times I always say, at 18 we're punks. We, we can't, right. we don't listen to anybody. I don't need acting right. classes. I was just in this, you know, I was just in it. But you're in this movie, and so you're, and it's as you said, it's a big, big movie. Right. Now, now, it sounds like you were smart and said instead of saying, oh, I'm just going to just see what happens, you started taking classes.
1: Yeah, I did. I mean, actually, I, I got signed by William Morris, and it can, it can be you know double edged sword because when you're with a big agency like that, and you're been in this big movie you do get a lot of opportunities so I had gone out on a few auditions and for major roles and and I was not ready I was really not ready and I realized that and so I had met with this casting director who is is still really big and was really big at the time called Bonnie Timmerman and she she put me in touch with a wonderful acting coach called Sandra Lee and she was a part of the Actors Studio so I actually went to the Actors Studio in New York for about three years, and I really... And plus, I studied with Sandra as well at her at her class. And I really wanted to, you know, get a proper foundation. And and uh, so I did still go out on a few auditions in that time period, but I realized that I wasn't really ready for, for the big leagues at that
0: point. Well, that's good, though. I mean, that's, I think, because a lot of people jump a lot sometimes too early. And it really... Yeah. And, and it may help them in that three years... But then they don't have longevity. And that's so exactly. important if you want to stay in this, because no one wants to sit there and do that thing for three years, and then they buy a big house because you're young. And then <laughs> right. you're sitting there and you're going, wait a second, you know, all of a sudden down right. the road, you don't have the longevity. So now you're in New York. Now, when did you decide to move to L.A.? Because everyone always has a point where they say there's something that happens. I mean, it, whether it be people from Chicago or New York that brings them to L.A. What made you, what made you decide to come to L.A.?
1: Well, I think, you know, there, there's, at that time, especially, there was not that much work in New York, and I think, you know, even though I was modeling and doing commercial, a lot of commercials, um, you know, agents sort of said, oh, we should, you know, go to L.A. for a pilot season and see how that goes, and, and I ended up getting uh, weird science um, the TV show so I ended up coming out for that I wasn't really ready to commit to to moving out here I, I really I didn't really feel that comfortable in LA when when I came out here Um, so but I but then you know also I had been in New York for almost 10 years and I kinda of felt that you know you do get to a point in New York where uh, its it's hard <laughs> living in New York you know and I and I think that um I don't know. I just think I I got to a point where I was more attracted to being in L.A. and then I got the TV show and that that really sort of solidified it for me.
0: What was Reasonable Doubts? That was with Mark Harmon and Marley Matlin, right? Yeah. And uh, you played a detective on that?
1: Yeah. Now, how I played cool a, a how... uniformed police officer. I know it was crazy. What was that
0: like? Because, I mean, you're, you're a model, and you're right. used to different roles, and you said, like, in Spies Like Us, you were window dressing, as you said. Right. Now you're sitting there going, they're going, okay, we know you're a model, but we're covering you up. You oh,
1: know? was it? Well, I had actually read for the pilot and for for a role of this sort of bard bartender who was the love interest of Mark Harmon and it was between me and the actress who got that part and I didn't get it but the showrunner had remembered me and so for the second season he he brought me in as this other character which was wonderful because most people don't think of someone like myself as a police officer and and it was probably I think to date my favorite role and I wish that people would see me more in different lights because you know you get a few roles And then you tend to get more roles based on the similar, you know, I had done Baywatch and things like that. And and you don't want to
0: turn the work down, you you know,
1: but but, I mean, some, you know, some things I did turn down, but, but you, you sort of end up, you know, your career can kind of go in a way depending on, you know, on, on what comes down the pike. and, And it's very sometimes hard to turn that, um, perception once you've done too many things of, you know, certain type of, you know, you get
0: typecast. Well, it's great for that showrunner to sit there and actually see your I mean, it means your acting, uh, you're basically what it means is your acting teachers did a good job.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah. No, I was I, mean, I really wanted to be a good actress. I mean, I really didn't want. I did want to have longevity and I didn't want to just rely on my looks even though looking back, you know, on my career, I think, you know, it has been hard To be taken seriously, you know, a lot of people do think of me as the kingpin and weird science, and 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 then I ended up getting thought of much more, you know, in terms of doing comedy, which was not really my sensibility when I started out. Um, So, you know, you you're kind of at the mercy of of a lot of things that just fall the way they do.
0: Well, you know, what's amazing is actually it shows you're a true actor, and I just say this because I talk to a lot of actors, and you did the dramas and you do comedy and that's and, and you've been able to cross over them and you've been able to keep doing both and that says a lot because there's a lot of people that, I mean, I always think comedians because I, I have a background in stand-up, a lot of comics are great actors because just, because comedy is easy when you're a comedian and, and I think acting. But for you, it's great. that I mean, I know you, you got, you know, you might get typecast, but you did get to do both. And that says a lot. I mean, you know, from you know, the being a cop and then right. you go to Weird Science. And now Weird Science, you're coming into a show that is coming off a John Hughes movie. Right. And John Hughes is such a, especially to people my age, was just such a huge, huge, you know, we knew all his movies. So right. how did the Weird Science part come apart? Did you, did you have, had you known of the movie or had you had the? Did you watch the movie, or how did that happen?
1: Yeah, I I had watched the movie, and um, I I really didn't think that I was very good at comedy, to be honest with you. I wasn't really sure if I could do it, and and the the I the, my agents had sent me the pilot for the show, and I my immediate reaction was, then, "No, I don't want to do this. It's not something in my wheelhouse at all." And um, but they for some reason it just kept coming back. Like it was a long process to try and find their Lisa. And I, I remember being, I was doing a job in Australia and got a call saying, yeah, they still haven't found their Lisa and they really want to see you. And and John Landis was the executive producer. So he was So familiar. there was a sort of connection there. And so I went and met with, with the showrunners and they were really nice guys. And they really, you know, had a very, they, I mean, they wanted to obviously capture the sense of the movie. But, you know, in... I don't know, more, more obviously a more TV version of it, but I started to think, you know, beyond a sort of one, it actually got picked up for 13 episodes before, you know, the pilot even, so I could see that maybe there was a chance to really, you know, have more of just one shot at doing this character, like she was going to have 13 different episodes to really sort of show some variety. And um, so it was actually a long process sort of testing and, And I ended up getting it, and I just sort of embraced the fact that maybe this was what was meant to be in my life right now. And my my dad was very sick at the time, and he ended up passing away during the sort of process of me getting the show. And I felt like, well, I think it was a a way for me to to lighten up and to sort of not, you know. But you, you go to work on a comedy every day, and you can't help but kind of step into the fantasy of... Of, you know, and it was such a silly show, and each episode was, you know. It's fun. It's really fun, and so you can't help but kind of feel like you know fun part of the time so yeah, it's, it was,
0: it's like you're around people who are just and you're yeah. goofing around and often when you're yeah. it's not like a drama it's like when you're in a comedy when you're off camera you're still in that goofy mood you know you're yeah. not going to sit there and go from like hey haha like oh i'm, I'm exactly. disgruntled
1: as you know john asher working with john right. asher and i mean he he's really fun and lee turgus and he played chet he was i love really him super fun he's, he's, great. he's such a great actor so funny and so, I mean, he's an, he's he's a good example of someone who's so good at comedy and so good at drama. Oh, he's amazing in he's Oz, really oh. at
0: both. So now, now you go and it's you think it's going to be thirteen episodes. You're not, you know, in Hollywood, you're not sure, and you're thinking, okay. And then you're excited now because you say, okay, it's a character arc. So you get done thirteen episodes, right? And then do they, do they, who do they call you and say, or did you already know middle of the season that they're picking up for a second season?
1: No, I don't think. I think I, can, I can't remember. I think I know that the show. I think after the show first aired because we started shooting the show, I think like November and then the the show premiered in March and I think we'd already finished the 13 episodes by then. So I think there was a sort of window after we'd finished the 13 episodes where the second season pickup ca- happened and I think we got picked up for sort of two, two seasons in one go because it was USA Network and they were just starting to do their own programming really. So it was sort of kind of new a new thing and so they would pick you, pick you up for like you know two whole seasons that would never crazy. happen now it's like yeah. it's like
0: you're cast after two episodes you know it's right. like oh we have them all I, it's, it always irritates me because they'll shoot like like I like to show the McCarthy's and Jack McGee was just on last week two weeks ago and we were talking about you know they didn't show all the episodes, and it's like I don't understand that. It's like you yeah. you have all these episodes shot. Why show a rerun? You know, like because we watch. You know, we don't want to watch yeah. Big Bang Theory when I mean, we I both know. me and my girlfriend like the McCarthy's. I don't, I don't but know. so you got two seasons. Yeah. Now I got to ask you. I always ask. Now that you moved during that season, that you moved to LA. Yes. Now where did you? I always ask people where's the first place you move because you're coming from New York, and people don't understand. I, I always and people listeners, my listeners are probably gonna you say this every week, but they don't understand that when you move from New York to LA, it's completely different because. the areas I mean had you where did you move when you first moved to LA well
1: I had a couple of friends here and I and I ended up uh, getting this little guest house above the Chateau Marmont okay so I guess you know above Sunset, sort of West Hollywood area so you were
0: safe it was good so you weren't you don't have to worry about the 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 neighborhood okay so now the weird science is going on now during weird science when did when did uh, Kingpin happen was that was that did you get cast during weird science yes I
1: I got cast uh, during weird I think it was like the fourth no the, i don't know it was like what, 1995 i think so i guess i was like two seasons into weird science and um we had like a weird hiatus it wasn't in, we we didn't shoot sort of traditional you know usually you shoot from august until march but we were sort of di- different time schedule and um i had uh again it's like they i remember kingpin came down the pike and i read it and I think I wasn't available at that time, but then he got pushed or something. And then I met with Peter and Bobby Farrelly. And, yeah, it was another one of those, like, weird kismet things. It was just, like, meant to be, I guess.
0: Well, when you read the script, did you just laugh? Because I love that movie. And it's just – plus, because I – the Amish, is because I grew up an hour and a half from Amish, and there used to be a comedy club in Lancaster. When you go to the gig, you'd be sitting there stuck behind the – buggy and you'd be like oh god yeah. and it's just it was i knew the culture and that's what made it so much more funny to me because i knew the culture if you don't really know the Amish culture right. you don't get it now when you read it just did you just crack up when you I read did. it
1: I did, and i had loved dumb and dumber so and this was their you know second movie after that um but there were a lot actually a lot of that gross out humor wasn't in the original script like they add they added a lot of that as we were going but um yeah no i mean i i i I met them and i and i then i ended up reading with woody and um i think it was between me and i'm trying to there was another actress it was between me and another actress. i'm totally blanking on who it was now but i remember it was it was a long process to get it it was like several readings and then reading with woody and woody had to approve me and um and it was really fortunate that they were shooting during my hiatus of Weird Science, because otherwise I wouldn't have been able to do it. Because contractual.
0: So. You know. Right. When, when Weird Science was going on, did people start recognizing you? I mean, because one, you're playing this, this uh, sex symbol type. <laughs> but then also, and what must be weird also, is Weird Science was sort of a younger crowd. I think I think younger and Very it's sort kid, I yeah, mean, you know, you're a model. You're used to older people. You know, you're you're an, you know, an adult, and now it must have been. Like, you must have been. And thank God there wasn't the internet back then because these kids would be like yeah. sending you. Ma- I mean, because you know, oh, I mean, like, you probably no. got fan mail, but I can imagine because these kids they can find everything. I mean, it's unbelievable. Like, like oh, yeah. they'll sit there and get emails. Like I've had guests go. I don't know how this kid from this person got. He goes, I was a voice in a movie that he loved, and he found it. So now, what was it like? Because for you, all of a sudden, you must have been. It must have been different because you're people are recognizing you now, and is that, that must be a weird feeling.
1: Yeah, it was. It, it was weird. I mean, but the, the cool thing about Lisa was that she was actually very approachable, I mean, even though she was, you know, very sexy outwardly. She was very much sort of one of the, the guys, and she was very approachable. So I think it was sort of nice that I think people didn't think of me as this sort of, you know, non approachable person. So it, it, it was nice you know i i, I you know I, like you said the internet wasn't really very big then so i didn't get like bothered or anything right. but but um and i mean in fact it, since then i i would say more like the sci-fi fans i did stargate a few years after weird science and those fans are really very like avid and very loyal and you get invited around the world on conventions and that that's a much bigger fan base than um, Weird Science, really.
0: Well, with Kingpin, what was it like working with Bill Murray? Because ah, I mean, you know, I, I've heard stories about Kingpin where I guess <laughs> the Farrellys wanted Bill Murray. This is a story I heard. You'll okay. you can probably see you'll know because you were in it. Mm. I heard the Farrellys wanted Bill Murray and they couldn't get him. But then Randy Quaid called him.
1: No, and, that is not true. Okay. I'll tell you the truth. Okay, tell me because that's okay. a story I heard. I want to hear okay. this. This is the truth. Um, first of all, I knew Bill Murray through. Dan Aykroyd, because Dan, A- Dan Aykroyd I'd, had done Spies Like Us, and Bill Murray's living in New York, and he said, oh, you got to meet my friend Bill, and they'd, they'd just done Ghostbusters together. So I met Bill, and I'd known Bill for several years, just, you know, just friends. And um, and then when I... They hadn't cast uh, Ernie McCracken when we started the film. In fact, I, I believe that Peter Farrelly wanted to get jim carrey to do it but then and jim he was gonna do it but then schedule stuff happened and he couldn't do it and i was sitting at a penguins game um, are you a hockey fan for, uh, no but peter is peter farrelly and we were talking about uh, you know who would be good for ernie mccracken and so Bill Murray's name came up, and I said, "Well, I know Bill, so let me let me I call Bill Murray." See the the
0: see that, that <laughs> I
1: call Bill Murray. So you're the one who called. Yes. Him. No, because everyone
0: <laughs> says Randy Quaid called no, him. No, I thing. mean he
1: might have called him too, but I definitely called him, and 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 um, and that we and. and He's very difficult to get a hold of Bill. He's, he's very sort of elusive. And I know that, it, you know, I th- I'm sure that I think that, that obviously they were going through his agents and everything, too. But I had had a conversation with Bill about this thing. And, and then I think, you know, I'm sure the other things probably came into play, too. But I know that I was a small part of getting him to well, do good, it. Uh,
0: that's good to know. Yeah. I'm, glad, I'm glad. No, because that's cool. Because thank God he was in the movie because he's yeah, so great. Now, I know. Now, did he improvise most of the stuff?
1: Yeah, he really he likes to. Yeah, he he did. He likes to add what he just likes to go with.
0: How do you do a scene? I mean, I would just think he would just. cry. I mean, because you know, I mean, he just must crack you up because he just. (laughs) You see interviews with him, and he's so, he's so bizarre. But you can tell he's just a nice guy. He's just a guy because his his brother Joel was on the show, right? And there he grew up with like nine kids, you know. And you think it's like so. He's just a guy who just had this huge, you know, one of the biggest. Comedy stars ever? What right. I mean, did he just crack you up? Because he just must be—he just must be funny.
1: He's—he's he's really funny, but it's—it's it's not a showy kind of funny. Right? He's—you know—he—he's. He, you have to really be on your toes when you're actually working with him. You just have to really listen well, and yeah, it is—it's really hard. It's really hard not to laugh. But uh, yeah, he—you know—he's—he's he's great. I think he's genius.
0: Well, now the kingpin. Of course, Kingpin was before Something About Mary, right?
1: Uh, yes. Okay, it and, was the movie before. It was their second movie, and, and There's Something About Mary was their third movie. And
0: so people knew of Kingpin, but when but, after Something yeah, About Mary, it, it just blew absolutely. up. I absolutely.
1: Mean, well, I mean, it didn't do very well, actually. It, ca- it came out in the summer, the same day as the Olympics in 1996, and, um, and then Woody, they sort of, like, dropped the ball on the publicity, like Woody had just, uh, right after, had done the Larry Flint movie. And I think he was sort of putting all his energy into that. And so they kind of dropped the ball on publicity with Kingpin. And I don't know exactly what happened, but th- it didn't have a good opening weekend. And then there's something about Mary came out, obviously in a couple of years later. And because everybody loved that movie, uh, they sort of, you know, they looked at the, what the Farrelly brothers movie, had, you know, had been up to before. And, um, so i think kingpin was kind of discovered after the fact really
0: what's that like though because you figure you come out in this movie and you know and it doesn't do that well and then all of a sudden you know and people knew of you from weird science and your own Weird Science, but then all of a sudden something about mary is a huge mega hit and then kingpin everyone that's what everyone did i did the same thing everybody went back and said oh well this is really funny what is that like when all of a sudden like you got momentum momentum Uh, from that after a few years after the movie i mean that must be it must be a blessing though
1: well it was it was weird because at the time it was actually very disappointing because i was with caa and like they had really high hopes for me and they were expecting the movie would be huge and so it was almost like you'll never have to audition again and you you know it was all like my you know i was still i mean i wasn't super young but i was still young enough that i listened to everybody and um So then the movie comes out and I still had another year, another season of Weird Science to do. So I went right back onto Weird Science after the movie had come, come out and not done as well. But it was definitely very disappointing. And I mean, even when people started to discover it a few years later, it still didn't really, I would say, help my career. Actually, I mean it, it's it's almost become like a cult thing, and now we're almost twenty years from right. there. But I mean, if anything, it was I don't know. It, it's 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 weird. It's weird. I mean, it's I mean, it's you know the movie I'm probably most proud of, but it certainly um, it certainly didn't really help. My career, I don't think, in terms of the you know immediate
0: results. So you did Weird Science, you do Kingpin, then Stargate comes along, which is so yeah. different. I mean, how does that? I mean, because you're probably right now, they're probably going okay, and people are thinking of you as a uh, more, as you said, more comedy, right? Which is you don't, and that's a, that, which is also that's a compliment to you for your talent because people usually don't sit there and say, you know, model. Comedy. Yeah. I mean, it's not. I mean, Brooke Shields right. translated into sudden, Suddenly Susan, which right. was a very funny show. You were, were you on Suddenly Susan ever?
1: No, no, I, uh, no. I was on, um, but I did that other show, and I met her on the back low, uh the Veronica's Closet. I and not, I oh, yep. Suddenly, and then the next. So that um, So I met her, and she. What a lovely lady! Lovely lady. Um, yeah.
0: So how did Stargate come apart? I mean, was that was that something that now, was it weird for you to audition for something more serious because you had had the comedy going, or was it just something you were probably looking forward to, like, oh, great, I can do this. I want to get back into these roots of my drama.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I I, I always wanted to go back to drama, and uh, Stargate is, you know, I mean, sci-fi is sort of weird because it's it's sort of serious, but it's so fantasy as well that it's not like... It, it it it's you're not in situations that you can necessarily relate to because it's you know, otherworldly <laughs> usually. And I played a Tokra, but I, I actually had met with um the guys over at MGM TV and they kind of had me in mind. They they knew that they were int- introducing a new character on Stargate, and so I, I had just met with them, and so it came about that way actually, and um. I, you know, I, it's very difficult to do. I mean, to, to play a Tok'ra.
0: What it, is, explain exactly what a Tok'ra it, is, because I'm not, it, I'm not it, up on my... It's a
1: character that has a, a symbiote uh, and uh, a host. So you have sort of two different characters within the same being. So you have a sort of, you know, two characters, really. Um, so I played Anise and Freya. And Anise was a sort of scientific-minded one that was more analytical and... You know, sort of cold, and then Freya was the the was the more um, human sort of side. It so so like you know,
0: were Spock and Kirk so, all wrapped exactly, in one.
1: Exactly, exactly. Um, and, and the di- and the dialogue is really hard on those shows. It's like it was so funny because Richard Dean Anderson, you know, you'd read the script and like he'd have like really, are you sure you want to? You know, it's like he'd right. have like one line, and then the to- and then my character would have like great speeches of really difficult dialogue and they would write it so that you it was so hard to learn because it it, it there was nothing really to to sort of hold you to reality you right know? there's no, no there's no talk talk for it.
0: dummies you know you can't <laughs> right. get a book on hey let's talk for yeah it was
1: almost like learning like when you learn it was like learning another language and then you'd have to go in and out of these two different aspects of that character so it was probably the hardest job i've ever had to do
0: how would you memorize it because so many people like i wonder how, like, i
1: literally had to learn it by rote like like you would learn a language in order to get the the phrasing right it was really hard
0: so you do that and now that's funny because you said about the conventions and uh it's amazing because i went to the uh my friend had tickets to the hollywood uh hollywood stars convention right and we went uh a few weeks ago and i had a blast because I, I love that kind of stuff and i was trying to get guests you know mm-hmm. i read roberts and stuff like that mm-hmm. and um it's you're right, the fans are fanatical and it was all, they had a lost in space that time and so the original cast and all that stuff. And for you when you would go to the uh, conventions, I mean, what is that like? Because people, I mean, you're it's it's an adoration or adulation whatever the word is, that right. people are sitting there because they come to see you and, and as you said about sci-fi fans, I had Robert Picardo on who was mm-hmm. on Stargate and Star Trek and he had said, what's amazing about the science fiction fans is And you mentioned this earlier that they really know you, but they know your roles, but they know all your other roles. Like he said, like, even though he was on Star Trek, they knew his whole career. I mean, what's that like? Because in these people, I mean, it must, it's flattery, but then do you sort of feel awkward sometimes just because you're like, wait a second, I'm just, I'm just a person. I'm not a, you know.
1: Yeah. It's very, the first one I ever did was very awkward. It was in, it was London. It was a huge one. And it was, it was, um. Massive, and people literally line up, and and you know it's it's strange having all these people, you know, their their energy coming at you, and they feel like they they know you, and so it's hard, you know. After my sort of fourth or fifth convention, I I got to sort of understand how that process works and feel more comfortable with it. But but then there's often these panels where they ask you questions, and they know more about the, the the intricacies of the show than I do and I mean I hadn't really I've never watched all the seasons of Stargate right. I wasn't really familiar with every, all the different, <laughs> different
0: you, had, you had to learn all a lot life. of the crazy language <laughs> right. Right? you had, you had right. enough you had a hard enough job you can't watch it you took you Richard <laughs> Dean Anderson's just a pretty boy, going <laughs> really and you're given like the Pygarithian theory and all this other crap right
1: so they wouldn't they would ask questions that honestly I, I didn't know the answer to, so it was really like I was like, "Oh my gosh, I really need to like know my stuff for the next one so i did um but i I learned to really enjoy them actually because it's it 's really about people connecting and 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 the fans that come you know they're they're they really just want to connect with you and so once I kind of understood what that was about um It was actually enjoyable. Like the, the like I said, the first one that I did in London was just sort of overwhelming. And then, since then, I've done Dragon Con, which is literally like 60,000 people in a weekend.
0: Now, what's that like? I'm just thinking. It's oh, crazy. You go, now, where's Dragon Con at? It's in
1: Atlanta over Labor Day weekend. Okay,
0: so you go to Atlanta. And, and it's, it's multi
1: genre. It's like, it, it's it's all across the board sci fi and just old holiday. I mean, it's everything. So, how does
0: that work? Do they sit there? Do they go, okay, do they, they book your hotel room? Because yeah, it's probably impossible because it's like Comic Con so big. But I, used to right. live in, I lived in San Diego years ago when Comic Con just started, and okay. it was teeny.
1: I did it in for weird stuff science back in like 95 and it was nobody, small it was really
0: small yeah. so you yeah. get there and now there's you and a bunch of other people stars and now are you in a hotel where the
1: guests are. guests
0: are also the, uh, not, not to get the yeah, fans or yeah, are, the are, are, are they
1: yeah you usually have somebody walk you to uh, you know from the sort of meeting point to um to your table or to your um panels you know they have a lot of panels over the, the weekend too so they have somebody sort of walk you but but i mean the, the fans are usually very respectful actually but but it's more like when they come and want to photograph that they you know they want to engage you and really talk you know which which is you know it, it, it's tricky because there's a part of you that really wants to give them more time and then you've got your sort of handler next to you like next you know what i mean and you know it, it it's tricky because you know and there's a you know there there's oh, I call it the sad factor there's kind of a bit of a sad factor sometimes with with some people so i really want to engage them because right. you can tell that they you know that they they really want to connect and and this is their chance to do that and and it's 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 difficult to navigate that. Sometimes I can imagine right. this
0: because it's true because you are the you people know. and and you know and you you act so you know you, we all if we're in the entertainment world, we have somewhat of an instinct of people we can usually read right. people. and yeah I guess you probably think sometimes oh you know you're not not you feel bad for this person but it means a lot to them right but then, sometimes
1: they want a big hug or right. something like and that then, and the handle is like well no you can't you know yeah, and, and, then, and you don't want to be rude and disrespectful but at the same time ta- you know at the same time, sometimes sometimes you know it's just
0: strange what happens also is a lot of times I've noticed even just in regular things you know know, because I know everyone in Burbank so you know before my girlfriend moved out here you know when I was single I would just go out have a beer talk to people and you go out I I know the bartenders I know people I used to work in the restaurant business so you talk to people and you start a conversation with someone just because you know and then all of a sudden they just start getting weird, and, you, and 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 you don't want to cut them off, but you're like, what? Did, you know, it's like, what did you just say? And for that, right. you probably get it because some people they sit there and, and you they're sad, and then they're talking to you, but then they just want to keep talking. And after a while, you're like, I have to, you know, right? Right? Now, did your arm get tired from signing autographs? Because I would think, I mean, I mean, because and what do you write when you sign autograph? Because I just I came out with a cookbook, and I always write. Be healthy, live healthy.
1: Best wishes. Okay.
0: Now, (laughs) how does that feel when you sign an autograph? Do you sit there and sometimes sit there and go, "Wow, this is sort of weird"? Or how does that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess you just get to the point where you're so used to it that you don't really think of it in in those terms. But, but like I said, the first one I ever did. I mean, and sometimes I'll, you know, I'll go to premieres and you get a lot of people outside premieres sort of, you know, waiting and, and and there's some people that, like, they must have just, like, a, a whole, like, box full of, like, every actor that's out there because they're, like, they weren't necessarily, they didn't necessarily know you would, Turn up, but then they have a photo of you waiting. You know, it's like
0: it's weird. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, I, I mean, there's there's I'm a like, guy I didn't I've seen.
1: Know I was be here. Yeah, I've
0: seen a guy who has pictures like with everybody. But it's the same. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's like I mean, sometimes probably,
1: the, the press has a press list, but like the, just the fans who are waiting, sort of out. You know, outside the barricades don't necessarily know who's going to show up so but they sometimes have your picture right there so it's like really strange
0: now where's the coolest place you've done one of these conventions at like where is like like that you said wow like you're like this is cool like i mean you know i mean atlanta's cool but it's not like you know if, I mean, right. you know well
1: i mean like, it's always great for me to go to london because my my family you know my mom and my sister lives there so that's and it was at like wembley stadium which is the, the wembley huh. convention center which is um which is kind of cool um but I guess those are the biggest ones, yeah, Dragon Con, and, and, and then Com- Comic Con, before it was huge.
0: Now we had said earlier because I had seen you when you did the thing at Dark Eligacies and you did it because yeah, you you, had, you that had was worked
1: really I worked with David Dakota yeah
0: now now he's a director
1: he's a director yeah
0: now and you said you worked with him before yes okay so now what projects did you work with them? and how did you hook up with them? and you must have liked him and had a good relationship to actually come and do a small thing like that I mean what what was yeah. your first project with him
1: well he he had actually a few years ago he had sent me this script through my agent for it was actually a Christmas movie and it was really. A sweet little christmas movie and i played almost like this angel called hope and it was just so sweet and at that time i was just i needed a little hope and so i just thought this is just you know meant to be and it was shooting over three days it was three or four days it was really quick and so i said oh, okay well i'll jump in and, and see how it is and, and david was the director and he was just so nice and he worked so quickly and uh he he d- literally does like 10 movies a year <laughs> this guy. I've never worked as quickly as this in my life. Um so a couple years later he asked me to do this Hansel and Gretel story where I played a school administrator who uh, who was a c- guidance counselor who was also sort of the the evil the evil one. Um so David does a lot of um a lot of horror genre or even though the christmas movie was completely out of that genre but, but I ho- he, I hope so. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um yeah, so he he's but he's just he's just really sweet and I really like him, so.
0: Well, you've done some horror movies.
1: Yeah, I I did a movie called Out for Blood and um one of the ones I have? I just finished a movie actually with a sort of dark comedy thriller. Not not really horror but more thriller.
0: What's it like doing horror movies? I mean, are you scared on the set? It's like it's like when you sit there. I mean, the stuff's realistic. Like I know if I go to yeah. like Knott's Berry Farm, it's just annoying. Everyone says it's scary. No, they startle you. That's all it is. They jump out and they startle you. But for this, what's it like? Because it's they make it. Because now it's like they look. Everything looks so realistic. I mean, what's that like to be on the set? Because because you know it's not real, real, right? But you have to act like it's real. I mean, is that does that? Take a lot of acting and concentration in your part and sit there and go, I or do you actually get scared? Sometimes it's do they just startle you or stuff like that?
1: No, I don't really get startled by it. I, I, I did a lot I I did a lot of um special effects he kind of makeups and stuff during Weird Science. So like that that's part of it, the prosthetic kind of thing I'm not really a big fan of. But uh, and that, I guess Alpha for Blood was a vampire movie, so there was some sort of scary bits in that. But no, I mean I, I just sort of Mm, yeah, you just use my imagination. I find the sort of more thriller, psychological kind of things more frightening than sort of, you know, horror kind of monster, creepy stuff.
0: Have you been killed on screen?
1: Yes, I have.
0: Now, what was that like? Cause I, I, always, actually, which...
1: I yeah. I just did this movie literally the for I just finished on Saturday where I was I was killed, but it was much more of a psychological kind of.
0: But what's it like uh, to be killed? Because it's like it's it's, so, it's like you think about it, it's like I'm know, I'm dying. Right? It's like wait, I'm, it's not like oh I get because I was in this I was in this really crappy B movie called Killer Drag Queens on Dope. That's okay. with Alexis Arquette and few other people, and I got shot in it and I got beat up. But I didn't get killed, and right. and it must be I mean and it was very campy. So if you got right. killed, thing. Like, but what's it like in a thriller? Because the funny thing is yeah. a horror killing is one thing. You go out, but thriller killings yeah, are disturbing just it because like you're like stabbed. oh my yeah, god. It it's like, like wait, <laughs> what's that like? I mean. Did, did, when you read it in a part that you're getting killed, were you like, right. how, does that, how do you, as an actress, actor, whatever you want to call it, everyone, now it's, right. what is the right term? Actor, I, I always say actor, because people say, you know, it's actor or actress. But I right. say, say actor. I always say, you know, I put on my little my site, I like, go, actor, you know, I put actor Vanessa Angel. But then right. you watch the Academy Awards and it says best actress. actress right. And I don't want to offend people. And I, I don't I mean, mind either way. I just, I, I, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So when you got the script, what was it like to sit there? Were you excited to sit there and go, okay, I'm going to get killed? Or were you like, I don't want to get killed?
1: Yeah, no, it it was actually a great, it's a great script. Now, no, what's the did, movie called? It's called uh, Trouble Sleeping with Billy Zane, and it's really, and actually my husband's in it too. He's an actor <laughs> called Rick Otto. And uh, it was a great script. I mean, m- kind of like more in, in a Coen Brothers kind of dark comedy thriller okay. type of way. Um, so, yeah, so it... it it was weird because my husband, my husband plays the character that kills me. So it's like, well, is, that was pretty weird.
0: Is this the first movie you've done with him?
1: Yeah, he, he, we've both been in the same movie, but we never had scenes together. Um, so this was the first time we actually played a married couple in it. What's I'm that like? like? It, I, was, I, I, it was. I was really worried. Actually, the, the actor kind of like fell out the last minute, and so they needed to find someone really quickly, and. Um, and it was it was actually really great. I was kind of like a little worried to begin with. I thought that's going to be kind of weird, but and because we were really like the kind of couple that like argued. There's a lot of tension and a lot of a lot of anger. Um, so I thought this is going to be really strange. But it was so great because there's a comfortable. I mean, I've been married 19 years. Okay. So and and plus we you know when we have auditions, we were you know we work the sides together, so we're very comfortable working together. So I think it actually really brought an, an extra element because you know, when you're working with an actor you've never worked with before, you've, you know, maybe just met them a few days before, and then you're in these really, you know, these scenes where there's a lot going on and there's a lot of nuances and a lot of layers that, you know, we didn't really have to work on that because we already had that in, you know, built into our own relationships. So, and I, I don't know if it always translates on film, but I think in this particular case, I think it really did. And there was a level of, you know, when you're, Snappy with someone, and you're, you know, when you, you know, when you have that, you know what that is like in real life right. with that person. It's just, it was really, it was actually really amazing.
0: And I bet you won't argue in a, for a while because you argue on film. I mean, that's, yeah. but, but you're right, it is because you've been there. So it's, I mean, I think sometimes if you're in a probably if you're in a scene and you have to argue with someone. The person still has feelings. Like if you don't, as you said, so you just meet an yeah, actor and you right. go, "Ah, shut up!" And they're like, "Oh, right, no." Right, but exactly. for you, if you go, "Ah, shut up!" You've been right. married for nineteen years. I'm sure you said, "Ah, right, shut right, up!" Before. Exactly.
1: And I mean, it was sort of like a heightened, a heightened level of what we would have in real life, but. But,
0: um, now, what was it like when he, when he found out he killed you? <laughs> I mean, did you give him a hard time to say, you know what, you're taking me out to a nice dinner cause you killed me after this. I mean, how's that, how's that work? I mean, that must be, that's great though. Because I mean, you know, it's just, yeah. it's cool because I mean, you feel comfortable cause you know, you know, but what was that like when you read it? I mean, you just, you guys just probably just cracking up like, Oh my really God, you're weird. killing me. I
1: mean, and we were shooting that scene at literally five in the morning, like, one night and it was re- and he had to come down this hallway and and he's got this like maniacal look and but it was but it's like again not in a sort of horror kind of like, it it's much like, more like it's like fatal attraction when she yeah, when he exactly. kills her. It's, it's it's, very it's, you watch
0: it and you sit there and you go and you feel it like yeah. I said with the horror you don't feel it. you go yeah. ah whatever but that yeah. stuff you do you sit there and you go and then you feel bad like in a horror movie you really don't feel bad because most of the people are stupid I mean you know I'm not stupid <laughs> right. but you know they, they they set it up so you get you know the old joke Oh, get out of the woodshed, you know. But in this, right. you feel bad, especially if you identify with the character. And now, with him killing you, with, <laughs> no. When people watch it, though, are you? are whenever someone kills someone in a movie,
1: right?
0: You take a side. It's like anything with couples. Right. You take sides. Now, whose side are people going to take? Or do they? I not-
1: think they're going to take my side. Sorry okay. to interrupt you, <laughs> because my character is. We're, we're both. Not very nice people, but he. But my, mine is much more conflicted, and I think that that you, my character in this thing is, is more, uh, um, uh, more sort of um. What's the word I want? Um, damaged. So, yeah, damaged, and you you can I think understand where she's coming from, whereas the character my husband plays is just. It's just an awful person, basically, that doesn't have, you know, that, I mean, obviously, he, I think everybody has their justification for doing what they do, but um, I think that you'll feel more sympathy for my character in the end, really.
0: And does he actually stab, like, what are they, actually, how does that, okay, what does that work? How do they do that? Did you start pleading?
1: Yeah, he, 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 st- he, you actually don't see it, it's sort of played on the faces, but, um, but then, then there's a moment where you see him after the fact, I don't want to give the movie the ending no, of the movie. don't, okay, no no, 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 no. don't, <laughs> It's, really, it's going to be good. I mean, it's it's this this guy called, this director called Robert Atatouille directed it and wrote it. And he did this movie. He's actually done a lot of sort of urban dance movies. He did this movie called Stomp the Yard. And like yeah, I he, know. He's, he's um, really talented and... The DP was unbelievable. Like, this movie is going to have the best look of, I think, any movie I've ever done. Like, and just Emmy Award winning, incredible DP. One of the old school guys okay. it's in the 60s, and he's like, uses the old tungsten lights. Because
0: they know how like, to do because there's yeah, not oh all the gosh. effects now. Yeah. So we have about maybe. five minutes left. Okay. Um, what else is going on? I, I, know, I know you have this movie coming out now, yes. and so. Do you have any other movies coming up soon? Or? Yeah,
1: well, I actually just did another horror movie um, in last end of last year called Talbot County that uh, Dania Ramirez, I don't know if you know who she is. She's a wonderful actress and a wonderful lady. She's on that show called um, Devious Maids. Okay. She's great. Um, her husband directed it, and she's in it and produced it, and we shot that in Atlanta. So that's coming out. Um, and uh, I got the... I had, the good fortune to work with Stephen Merchant last year, who I love, who's amazing, who was actually uh, on, he was in Hall Pass with, I, I did another small part in a Farrelly Brothers movie a few years ago and he was in it and I met him there and so he asked me to do this this little part in Hello Ladies, which it's already aired, but uh, I know I watched I watch yeah, yeah.
0: the, the show because uh, Kevin Weissman was on the he plays in the, he plays the guy in a wheelchair on the show.
1: Oh my God, he's so good. he's so funny. And it's so, so funny because yeah. He's
0: so so, so funny. Funny. okay, Hello, so... and I know you were in California Cation for a little bit. Yes. and now I yes. love that show, and you had a scene with Runkle.
1: Yes, I mean yes, that must I, be funny
0: because he's he's such a hot mess in the show. It must not must just I be fun. I was a hot mess too in the show. <laughs> so, but you got back to comedy on there. But it, now, yeah. now do you now as you know as you've been acting over the years, you've been going back and forth, sci-fi, horror, thriller, comedy. <laughs> I, I mean, which is I great. No, but that's great because I mean, that means you've had a good career, and I mean because you know you you haven't been pigeonholed. What do you want to do in the future? Do you want to do comedy again? Or, I mean, what do you sit there and go, ah, oh, man, are you, are you hankering for a comedy? Or are are you good I with the, I your, the thrillers?
1: Do, I would love to do a comedy. I would la- I would really love to get back into TV, actually. I would love to do a TV show. And I would love to do comedy, and I would love to do drama. You know, I, I really felt more inclined to doing comedy, but then just doing this... I liked, I do like doing that sort of dark comedy where there's some seriousness in there, but then there's also... Some really funny moments, but more in that, in more in that Cohen Brothers, Wes Anderson kind of way, where it's kind of more deadpan, flat. You know, right? Oh yeah, I love that kind of stuff. sitcom-y kind of comedy. I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about it at the moment. Well, but, those dark,
0: those are coming. But, like that show, Togetherness, on HBO. That's sort yes, of, that's sort of dark. It's exactly all, it's all yeah. the, it, it's the single camera. Yes. No live audience and people. When you watch it, you laugh, but you say it's not like because when you watch a sitcom and then they get serious, you go, "What the hell? It's a sitcom." Exactly. But for that, you go. Even the California occasion was funny, but it was it had a heavy hitting side.
1: Right. Absolutely. So, that that's the kind of thing I gravitate towards right now. Any. I would love my my dream would be to do a movie with Wes Anderson. That that's like an absolute dream. Well, you
0: got to get that out there.
1: I know because he's I know. great. I, well, I met him on Rushmore. Actually, I met him. For the, I think the, the role the role that Olivia Williams ended up playing, but and that was you know when he just starting and uh and I just think he's amazing, but yeah, so I think that that's the, that's the area that I really feel is my strength and where I'd feel most comfortable that sort of dark comedic you know comedy but but more real life
0: well, yeah gotta, gotta get back into that stuff. Yeah. any more of the shows coming up where you sign any of that stuff
1: no, I don't have any i, I, I yeah I think that's <laughs> no, I don't have any any upcoming shows actually no.
0: And what made you a Scream Queen? Did you did you
1: I don't know. I just I mean honestly I was just doing that for David. I don't I mean I really like I said I think I've done I'm trying to think how I mean Out for Blood was I guess a screamy kind of movie. So it was just something I, that it was Yeah, it yeah. was just more like David was putting this thing on and I thought it you know it was local so I figured I'd Go help him
0: out. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. I know we had to change the date, but it all works out. Yeah. It's so funny, it's so weird. I get it because I always book an extra guest because I just I. Put them on air. Then I put them up. And like today, my second guest fell out, but it's fine because when I air them, I, it's 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 hard to explain. But I always have two, and I mix them up three. And right. um, but I'm glad you came on. Now, now, are you on Twitter or anything? Or are you? On...
1: No, I'm not. You I'm gotta not. get on I'm Twitter. Like, no, I'm on Facebook, but but and um... your fa- it's
0: your it's your page. It's the Vanessa Angel.
1: Yes. No, i have not. Tw- and I don't even have an Instagram account. And my my daughter's already has a Twitter account. So and she's 13. So I'm like, <laughs> she's like, Mom, we need to get with the program. And I'm like, you need I a Twitter like account. I only have you know. I'm a mom, I'm an actress, I'm like, yeah, I had only, a clothing business at one point and I'm like, I, I only have so many hours in the day and I, I feel like Twitter would be so addictive and I just do not want to be like, right, that's updating good. Every, every like, you know, every day.
0: Well, I want to I thank you for coming on and people go to uh, Vanessa Angel on um, Facebook. It's, it's her fan page, I guess it's called. Right. And yeah, people go to my Twitter. I tweet, I tweet all the time. Go to at Cooper Talk. That's at Cooper Talk. I tweet a lot. I tweet a lot of jokes. I tweet pictures of my guests. Also, Instagram, at Cooper Talk. Talk one, because I guess there's another Cooper Talk, which makes no sense. (laughs) Um, My website is coopertalk.net. I have about 260 episodes up there, or 250. Um, And you can email me, cooper at coopertalk.net. And also iTunes and Stitcher. Type in one word, Cooper Talk, and you'll see it there. And also, my book I just published, Coopertalk. uh, stop the salt low sodium cooking for one well without killing yourself it's after I got out of the hospital I had to change my whole lifestyle two and a half years ago um, I, had to ch- I had to change my diet and go to my website stopthesalt.com and you can order it there it's $10 and 3 99 for shipping it's 125 recipes no pictures it's just if you feel like an idiot cooking just go I have a key up front. I say, you set your oven at 400. You follow directions for pasta. And there's some great dishes. There's entrees. There's salads. There's sandwiches. There's sides. It's just, it makes you be healthy because, you know, salt's such a big problem right now. People don't understand it. There's so much damn salt out there. And... And it's everywhere. I mean, you go to a dinner at a restaurant, and there's so much salt. And I'm like a salt, I'm a salt Nazi now. I check the labels. So please go to that. Go to Stop the Salt. You can also find it on Amazon. Type in Steve Cooper, Stop the Salt. And, yeah, that's about it. Um, nothing much uh, else going on. So follow me at Cooper Talk. Please send me an email, Cooper, at coopertalk.net. I will get back to you, I promise. Remember, I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guests. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins. You have a good day.